began off, oh, is, is Spanner the same as Cloud Spanner? Oh, Internal Spanner must have no rate limits. Oh, oh, and it's not fair that they're comparing a blah, 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 cry, cry, cry. Welcome to GCP Life, episode number 51 for Friday, the 20th of October, 2023. GCP Life is sponsored by Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. And I'm your host, Stephen Bancroft. On today's show, Google gets a few new hires, new Australian data protection rules and breaches, Cloud Spanner gets a boost, plus, was that the biggest DDoS ever seen? You bet it was. But before we get to any of that, I'd like to introduce the co-host of the show, Ian Brown. How are you going, Ian? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing, mate? Good, mate. Good, good, good. Still coming down after the last show. Yeah, yeah. The last show was it was absolutely epic. Loved it. Yeah, um, a few photos getting around in the socials as well. Um, what, what did we have? But, oh, look, the turnout was, was okay. 20, 30 people there, maybe 40 people. Yeah, I think we had and probably 40-odd. 40-odd, yeah. Odd, yeah. Um, but uh, like this, it just just went perfect. Like it just went so smoothly, didn't it? It did. It did. And the the feedback that I've seen on on LinkedIn and the likes has has been how awesome the show was and how people are going to start listening to more of the shows, which is well, is exactly the idea. That's the idea. That's right. And I ran the numbers, um, and we just see, we did see a little uptick on the number of subscribers coming as a result of that too, which is really exciting to see. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, look, I had a ball. Um, the, the spinner, the spinner thing was great. We gave away heaps of swag. Um, Trent came up from from Google in Melbourne, and he loved it. Yeah. He was really into it. Uh, he said he had time of his life. Uh, even delayed his flight he by, did, by an he? hour or so. Yeah, <laughs> said I'm and not the, going anywhere. And that spinner was 100 percent last minute. It was literally a case of we, we we'd organised the template and everything for a physical spinner, and then. And then it was just a case of, oh, we can't get the stand for this, so digital spinner it is. <laughs> yeah, right. And you went hunting around for that, did you? I and did. found someone a dumb one. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, the GDG uh, Sydney actually has one. But uh, yeah, right. Yeah, we, yeah. D- we just couldn't get it in time. They couldn't find it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but no, it, it's uh, looking at the photos, no, that's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted just, just the panel there. Us, you know, shooting the breeze about Google Cloud and, uh, you know, that sort of relaxed, you know, informal setting and uh, everyone having a bit of a laugh about it. The feedback I got was that it was a very different vibe to you know, the normal GDG talks because it wasn't a talk. Yeah, right? that's it's, right. That's not the idea, not to be a talk. Um, and uh, having having that interaction with the audience was great and uh, we did, a, did the trivia there at the end. And uh, shout out to Mr. Potts. I mean, geez. <laughs> we, we, and we still don't know what Troy does. And we still don't know what Troy does. <laughs> yeah, so we had uh, Troy took, Troy took the, the, the gold, uh, Lizzie took silver, and Mr. Potts took the bronze. So he, he yep. walked away with a bit of swag there. So well done, well done. And uh, I realized that we, we – we we did say we were going to get a dish to go through the socials and look up the posts and 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 give someone some swag randomly, 
We forgot to do that at the end of the show. <laughs> um, but uh, the thing is, there wasn't many posts anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. And uh, as everyone walked out the door, I think I think D said, "Look, just just take some swag off the table. We don't care. Just take it." And there was like one extra small t-shirt that was left on the table yeah, right. at the end of the night. Like- well, see, the person that the, the person that posted online could have got themselves the, the choice of their own swag. Well, they could have, I suppose, yeah. They, would, they wouldn't have had to fight the hordes over That's it. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it was super nah, fun. Good. Super fun. And uh, I'm not saying no to doing it again, but I'm not saying yes just at this point. Um, you know, we'll, we'll wait. Maybe, I don't know. I like the idea of making it an annual thing, but um, I think now that we've done it once, it'll be, it'll be a lot easier to organise. Not that it was difficult to organise, no. but I think it'll, think it'll come together much more naturally next time. Yeah, yeah. And I definitely, I, I'll definitely advocate for doing it again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it was a landmark, 50 episodes, two years of the show. Um, if we were to go 100, then it would be... We'd have to wait for four years, so yeah. it'd probably be more like around you know the seventy-five mark if we could do it every twelve months. But uh, we'll look into that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, outside of that, you been up to anything else, mate? Uh, I've ordered myself a whole heap of these little um, Sonoff Basics uh, Wi-Fi switches. So, um, oh, do tell. Yeah, yeah. So these are a um, Google Assistant controlled uh, power switch. So you can use it for anything. You can use it. We've got heated tower rails in our bathroom. So I can use that on a schedule in Google Home to actually turn on and off my my uh, power, uh, my heated tower rails whenever I want. So as opposed to just having it. Doesn't a look like it doesn't look like a GPO outlet. It's a switch. Where, where yeah, does it yeah. Fit? So it's a, it's it sits in the wall. So it's not it's not a normal sort of like a switch itself. It's actually um, it's actually a switch that sits in the wall. I see. It sits so, in line with, yeah, with yeah. the right. So you you hook up your your mains power to it, and then yep. on the other end of it, you've got a switched output that uh, that you then that then hooks up to your Wi-Fi, and you can run all of your lighting and all that sort of stuff via these little switches. So I'm going to give them a wallop on a couple of little things that don't really matter if they break, like the heated towel rail. If it breaks, it breaks. I just get another one. Um, mm. And then, yeah, if they if that all works nicely, I might uh, I might start looking at our um, downlights in our house because we've got, I think there's like sixteen downlights in our main living room upstairs. Yep. I mean, it's it's a big living room, but there's a lot of lights up there. Yep. And you could do things like um, lamps, you know, bedside lamps, and um, you know, the yeah. lounge room your lamps and stuff. And um, how would you how do you Control your air conditioner with that. I mean, you there's a different one. So Sonoff have got different ones for different applications. This one's just a standard smart switch. Uh, um, they've got a whole like an IR ones. thing on it or something. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. There's IR repeaters and all sorts of weird and wonderful stuff that you can get to to control aircon and and the likes. But yeah, it can control the whole lot with uh, with Google Home and and uh, turn your existing not smart house into a sort of smart house. Mm, nice, yeah. Um, I've I've avoided the whole thing, honestly. You know, the whole day, you know, deploying and doing Terraform and pushing things to repos. The last thing I want to do at the end of the day is more of that. <laughs> but uh, the fun, you know, the exercise of setting it all up would be fun. 
Yeah. But then I, I wouldn't want to have to support it when it breaks and I get calls from the wife. <laughs> yeah, this is true. Um, the other the other part of that is that you can you can sort of do things like I've got an issue at the moment where my young fella is trying to push his bedtime out further and further and further. I mean, he's he's almost thirteen. We're getting into the the troublesome teens, mm-hmm. and uh, and he he seems to think that you know I can stay up until ten o'clock at night and still get out of bed at six in the morning, and mm-hmm. uh, and he doesn't get out of bed at six in the morning. I've got to pry him out at quarter past seven. Um, <laughs> So th- th- this sort of thing where I can just sort of – I can just tell Google to turn his entire ha- um, room off <laughs> and he doesn't get a choice. Or turn the, the light on and the radio on blasting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> turn all of his lights on and blast the stereo. <laughs> yes, well, when I was younger, I used to go out clubbing. <laughs> There's a club I used to go to and the trick they would use at the end of the night is to turn all the heaters on. Oh, turn right. all the heaters and the air conditioners on full blast to get everyone out of the club. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, they the just trick. used to turn – back in my nightclubbing days, they just used to turn all the lights on and – Oh, sec- that as well. Yeah. yeah, security guards would come in and go, right, get out. Push you out. <laughs> <laughs> well, these guys would turn the heater on as well. They'd get you out real quick. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, look, I haven't, I haven't been up to much myself. Uh, I bought a pair of these little uh, – I've been avoiding uh, Wi-Fi headphones. Mm-hmm. Um, would you believe it up to now I've not had a pair of Bluetooth wireless headphones and I went to the old uh, office jerks the other day and, and got myself a pair of these uh, Jabra active ones because they were the cheapest ones yep um, I'm impressed okay I'm actually really quite impressed I I took it comes in a little charging box like that and uh, I have my phone in my hand and I just open these things up and my phone goes I see you bought, you own a pair of Jabra headsets. Would you like to pair them with your phone? Okay. I went, excuse excuse me? (laughs) How do you, anyway, it knew and I paired them and I haven't had a problem since. Yeah, I see the AI getting better. Yeah, yeah, it's just incredible. Uh, Noise cancelling, the whole box and dice, um, sound quality is awesome. They're, I I what is it IPF uh, something 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 uh, IP fifty seven rated yeah, right. so um yeah okay um yeah I don't uh, I, 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 I can't deal know. with the in ear things I've got to have over ear headphones because the in ear ones just yeah they just weird me out a bit oh uh, okay yeah no I've never had a problem with them. I went for a jog and had them in and they stayed in which okay. was uh, which is my key criteria yeah <laughs> and I had to work fine I had a pair of the Mali you know the 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 timber backed Marley ones, the in ear yep. ones. And uh yeah, no, I I couldn't handle it. They just didn't sit right and they jammed in my ears. It's painful. Yeah, right. Well these come with uh like little rubber, different size rubber adapters. Uh I haven't changed them yet. I used to use the default size, seems to work for me. Nice. And I thought for a hundred bucks they, they're doing the they're doing the job. They're fantastic really for that. Awesome. Uh well, that's been my really only my tech thing. Um Outside of that, I heard a uh, quick, quick story here before we get on with the, the rest of the show. Uh, Google's going to defend users if uh, you get a copyright challenge using yeah. their AI-generated stuff. Yeah, this is – I think this is – they're just following suit with uh, with the other big AI players. Um, I think OpenAI has the same uh, agreement yeah. and, and Adobe yep. have done the same thing, so – uh, yeah, they they're basically saying that if you get 
uh, challenged on copyright grounds, they'll assume responsibility for potential legal risks. Yeah, yeah, interesting because that's going to make the people that want to challenge maybe think twice about their challenge as well. Yeah, that's right. That way because it's like I'm basically going up against Google. Yeah, like how how deep's your bucket? Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Google's got deeper pockets than than your average Joe. Exactly. Um, um, yeah, so put simply, if customers are challenged on copyright grounds, we will assume responsibility for the potential legal risks involved. So have at it. Use use Google AI and you're protected. Yep. Yeah, so as I said, it follows moves from Adobe and Microsoft. So again, I think it's it's one of those things if they really want you to use that tech and they've got deeper pockets than anybody who's going to challenge them. So, you know, go for it. Yep, put it up, yep. Which money where your mouth is. Yeah. Um, cool. All right, should we get on with the show? Yeah, let's do it. Google hires five new execs from AWS, Databricks, Here's Who. Um, article on CRN, uh, they go through the five new people that have been hired. Um, you can go and read all the detail, but uh, just quickly going through it, Elizabeth Moon. Um, former position AWS Director of AWS Solutions. Now she's moved into Managing Director, Customer Engineer at Google Public Sector. Yeah, that's right. And I, I think, so didn't Google grab a couple of ex-AWS people a month or so ago? They did. Yeah. They did. It seems like I they've got their target I, set. Mm, are AWS shedding these execs or is it they're just putting up offers that are just way too attractive? Uh, I don't know. I wonder that would be a that would be an interesting question to have answered. Mm, mm. Um, or is there like one AWS execs got into Google and he's like making the call saying, "Come on over, come on over." Yeah, well that that could be, but uh, surely there would be an anti poaching clause in his contract with AWS that even if he left, he couldn't poach. Doesn't seem to be a problem. I no, guess. well, this is <laughs> so true. That's what's go- the people seem to be moving. Uh, second cab off the rank was uh, Robert Samuel. He was the AWS Principal Security Assurance. Uh, he's moved into uh, Google Security and Compliance Lead, Cloud CISO, Google Cloud. Yeah. Uh, he's got a long history with uh, Canadian government as a security principal. Uh, yeah. National Defence of Canada and um, the CISO for uh, government of Nova Scotia. Yeah, so I guess he's made the move to the US or maybe still in Canada. I don't know how it works. Yeah, who knows? Uh, and the third cap off the ranks, Yanis. Uh, uh, I probably uh, shouldn't pronounce his surname because I will butcher it. <laughs> <laughs> Papa Constantino. Constantino. Yeah. yeah. Constantino, I don't know. yeah. Um, yeah uh, former position Databricks architect, AWS senior principal scientist. Moved as into the distinguished engineer role at Google Cloud. What exactly is a distinguished engineer? I wonder. Looks like he's uh, being he's specialising in uh, query processing and ETL. They do a big query and ETL stuff in uh, Google Cloud. Yeah, cool. Distinguished engineer. Uh, and then uh, the next one is. Dan Gwen Lee, uh, he was the AWS Career Chief Privacy Officer. 
but now he's moved into technical program manager, privacy, security, and compliance at Google. Yeah. So he spent uh, – he was the privacy officer, as you said, for six years, or nearly mm. six years, it says, in charge of regulations and development strategies against uh, cloud compliance requirements in APAC. You're right, and it's not an APAC role that he's moved into, is it? No, it's, no, uh, no. It's a technical. It's, it seems like a global, global role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then finally, we have uh, uh, Yuong Xian, uh, Yuong Xiao. Sorry, um, he was at Stripe. Uh, he was at AWS for a little bit too, but he was the head of engineering for distributed systems, distributed systems at Stripe. He's now the senior director of engineering at Google Cloud Serverless. Yeah. So again, another one that he's he's been at AWS for a couple of years, uh, two thousand and nine to two thousand and eleven, I think it says here, uh, and he helped launch AWS IAM as well as AWS's multi-factor auth. He was a software, the senior software developer on those projects. Yeah. Um, so yeah, another uh, person that's been around the traps as well. So yeah, interesting what's going to happen in the next twelve months with all these new hires and bringing in all these new ideas, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to see uh, – because the, the very first page on this article, um, interestingly, said uh, something along the lines of uh, Google Cloud captured a record $8 billion in sale during the Q2 2023 quarter, so representing an increase of 28%. So evidently there's a bit more money in the bucket now to get some uh-huh. new hires, and, and, uh, and Google are putting it where they think – uh, the the customer base is going, which obviously is all about data and AI and security and security There's a focus yeah. and security there yeah. for sure. Yep. Yeah, bringing in the talent. Yep. Um. All right. Well, we'll watch that space. But uh, let's move on here. We've got uh, deliver and secure your internet facing applications in less than an hour using DevSecOps Toolkit. Uh, now, I looked at this, and as far as I could tell, all it does is set up a load balancer in Cloud Armor. Is it doing anything else other than that? <laughs> Not really. It's so, it's <laughs> the idea of this is to provide uh, an out of the box um, solution for delivering internet facing applications. So, uh, it's a sample application included in the toolkit. Um, that demonstrates how you can quickly integrate uh, Cloud Load Balancing, Cloud Armor, and Cloud CDN. Uh, according to the reference architecture that that Google has, and right, and it allows you to deploy via um, Cloud Build or any other sort of third party CI/CD tools and Jenkins, GitLab, um, right, or a bunch of Terraform, matches. basically. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, yeah. It's just Terraform. Yeah. Um, it, it's interesting though because if you ask a lot of people how you should be deploying this stuff on Google Cloud, they just go, "Oh, well, we just have a web server and we'll just like." Stick it have on the internet. Have a public IP address yeah, on it. Put it on the internet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, here we go. We're done. That's that's exactly what I was going to point out. Yeah, I was going to. Uh, do you think they've done this because people just aren't doing it the right way? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. So you look at this and you get the architecture gives you uh, multiple environments or the option to use multiple environments. I should say. So it comes out of the box with prod and dev environments um, there already, but you can add them. It's just Terraform. Just add a. Add another environment there and off you go. Um, the workloads get front-ended um, uh, by the global front-ends using external mm-hmm. load balancer. The back-ends get deployed in managed instance groups so that they are highly available. 
and you're using uh, Cloud CDN for all of the uh, static assets in the in the the demo app. Yep, yep. You're caching it all in Cloud CDN. Yeah, yep. And absolutely. Then, and then again, Cloud Armor because you don't want malicious requests coming in. So especially, we saw it years ago with um, with Apache's. Um, I can't remember what that what that request was called that used to get into Apache without any trouble at all. Yep. Um, and Cloud Armor protects you against that, and it protects you against DDoS attacks. Yep, as we're going to see. Yes, definitely. <laughs> as we're going to see. Um, yeah, easy to set up. Um, you put the uh, URL map there and then just pass it through to your web server on the back. Uh, you don't even need to put a public address on your web server. Nope. Uh, if your web server needs to get out, you just use Cloud NAT and that'll let it get out to the internet. And it's all buttoned up behind that and doesn't need to be exposed at all. That's right. And again, you get um, you get best of breed. So you've got cloud monitoring, cloud logging. It's all there. All your logs are there. You don't need to worry about um, shipping them somewhere like a out to a Splunk or a, or a log stash or anything like that. Uh, you can see it directly in cloud logging and use uh, Google security tooling over the top of that to visualize yep. it. Yep. You want to put your WordPress there or whatever it is. It can have all the bugs. Well, not all the bugs in the world, but, you know, you, you can be a little more, uh, you know, secure um, because you've got Cloud Armor there using its, uh, was it the WASP? Yep. The WASP. The uh, top 10. Yep. Yep. Uh, signet, um uh, signatures to detect any, uh, you know, compromises. And uh, you can rest, sleep a little easier at night. Yep. Cool. All right, let's move on. Uh, Cloud Spanner. Cloud Spanner gets a little bump. It's- now, you know how I feel about data and databases. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we had Lizzie there last week, thank goodness. <laughs> Moving on, uh, announcing Cloud Spanner Price performance updates. Now we're getting something for nothing here. Uh, Cloud Spanner, uh, if I can find the details here, now providing up to fifty percent increase in throughput and two and a half times the storage per node, with no ch- change in price. Yeah, this is really cool. That's just, How good is this? I think this is uh, this is a result of a little bit of easing of the economy and all that sort of stuff. Is cost of stuff is going down, and uh, Google's able to give you a little bit more for. Yeah. For the same amount of Economy money. of scale, probably on, yeah, on Spanner as well. Yeah. More in, yeah, yeah. Because um, if you don't know what Spanner is, um, high throughput, virtually unlimited scale, single digit millisecond latency, five nines availability SLA, and ex- strong external consistency semantics. That's a mouthful. Yep. Are now available at half the cost of Amazon DynamoDB for most workloads. Yeah, so interestingly, we're, it's not available to everyone yet, but there are select regions that, that can get it. Um, I know it's not quite Australia. It's not quite in Australia just yet, but it will be shortly. But uh, I think that's, that's really cool that, that it's half the cost of DynamoDB for, this, for much better performance. Mm. Yeah, this, this is a thing that I've always pointed out with Google products. They're highly engineered, mm-hmm. uh, well, well thought out, and um, they clearly are focused on performant, high-throughput um, products, you know? Well, they've got to be, don't they? You, they've you, got to be. You've, yeah. got to, you've, you've just got to have a look at, let's say, Gmail, for instance. 
like every single user gets their own Gmail pod when you sign in. So you, you sign into Gmail, doesn't matter whether you're on a workspace account or whether you're on your own personal Gmail, you get your own um, you get your own container for that. And that's backed by Spanner. Mm. So you've got to think about the billions of users that have got Gmail accounts. Oh, yeah. You know, I might have three or four Gmail accounts open at any one time yeah. in different windows. <laughs> I've, yeah. I've got a few of my own Gmail accounts plus work <laughs> that's ones. That's right. <laughs> yeah. And it's uh, a product that Google uses internally. So, um, so and it is, it is something that backs ads and, and Gmail and photos and the likes. Just take quote out of the article uh, on that. Spanner is used ubiquitously inside of Google, supporting services such as ads, Gmail, and photos. According to the Amazon Prime Day blog post, DynamoDB processes 126 million queries per second at peak. Spanner, on the other hand, processes 3 billion, more billions are better, That's right. queries per second at peak, which is more than 20 times higher. Yeah. And has more than 12 exabytes of data under manage. And that, that'd be across all the Spanner instances, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. And that that's a like you've got to think of exabytes as we're we're talking about we're talking about a a a, a level above petabytes here. It's like the next level above petabytes. It's it's huge. It's yeah. How many swimming pools is that, Ian? Um, then I could picture it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, depends on whether you're talking about your swimming pool or my swimming pool, mate. <laughs> Probably um, six million of mine. <laughs> six million of yours, yeah. Uh, you can try it for free for 90 days for, and then get it for as little as 65 US per month for production-ready instance that grows with your business. Yeah, that's really yeah. cool. Cool article. Yeah. Yeah, Awesome product, uh, way of the future. I mean, gee, I could see a day where all the other database products just fall by the wayside and everything's just on Spanner. Why not? Yeah, you know, well, that's right. If- I think the only thing that really stops people from fully adopting Spanner is it's not 100% uh, code compatible with like the MySQL and the Postgres. It's got some yeah. limitations in that. Yeah, but they have done work to improve that over the yeah. years. Yeah, I, I can see a point where it, it does match uh, like for like, but I don't think it's there quite yet. Yeah. Time will come, though. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, all right, moving on. Um, yeah, talking about DDoS and using Cloud Armor, um, we may have seen the largest DDoS attack ever. Google mitigated the largest DDoS attack to date, peaking above. 398 million requests per second. Yeah, this this one was this is huge. So this was a this was as a result of the rapid reset that is baked into HTTP2 that's allowed um it's a technique based on stream multiplexing. Uh that's a that affects pretty much every uh person on the internet or every sorry company on the internet that uses the HTTP2 protocol. Uh, and Google have said they're able to mitigate the attack at the edge of Google's network, leveraging the significant investment in edge capacity to ensure the services and our customers remain largely unaffected. As we understood more details about the attack methodology, we developed a set of mitigations and updated our proxies and denial of service defense systems to effectively mitigate this technique. Mm. Again, that all just uses Google Cloud's 
application load balancer and cloud armor. Mm. And this attack absolutely dwarfs the previous attack. Uh, last year, and we, we talked about it on the show, this one, last year recorded a DDoS attack which peaked at 46 million RPS. Yeah. So what are we, we're talking there nearly eight times, eight times the size. Yeah, roughly <laughs> enough. Yeah. Um, so the, for a sense of scale, they've got in the article here, this two-minute attack generated more requests than the total number of article views reported by Wikipedia during the entire month of September 2023, oh, which is, that's, that's ridiculous. And they soaked it up. They've got a graph here of it. It shows it came in two waves, um, and they're, what, about a minute apart from each other, and they both just peaked out at close to 400 million requests per second. Yeah, it's crazy. So there was um, there in in better news on this. There was uh, there was a lot of industry coordination for this. Mm. So uh, soon after detecting the earliest of the attacks, uh, Google got together with um, with a heap of other um, companies in the industry. Uh, the collective susceptibility to this attack is being tracked under a CVE, uh, which is twenty twenty three dash triple four eight seven, and has been designated as high severity vulnerability with a CVSS score of 7.5. And so, again, like I said, they've got together with others in the industry uh, and they have publicly in this article expressed uh, gratitude to all of the cross-industry stakeholders that collaborated with them to to thwart it. Yeah, I think that's going to be the way now. This is the way. It has to be. It has to be. be. Big companies like this that are handling internet traffic have to be working together to prevent malicious actors from doing damage yeah yeah to do to stop something like this you're not doing it on your own no it's huge um yeah so if you had your app set up properly you'd be all good that's it no no http uh rapid reset for you All right, uh, moving on uh more in the security space um we have a potential data breach in South Australia. Super SA discloses third-party data breach. It happened again. It has indeed. So uh, this one's a bit interesting because there's not a huge amount of detail about it. Uh, the, the breach disclosure is brief, simply noting that, uh, and we'll put this in quotes, the provider is aware of a small cohort of members who may be impacted by a cybersecurity incident. And we all know, you all know what we say when they say, oh, it's only a small cohort. <laughs> <laughs> that means it's bigger just than wait for it, wait for it, wait Just give us a week or two and we'll acknowledge the real size of it. It says here that, uh, that there, it's unknown if any of SuperSA's data has been accessed. Uh, the same examination noted that uh, SuperSA has engaged Deloitte to conduct cybersecurity fraud risk management and data governance audits of the entity's mm. own systems between 2019 and 2021. So we'll see we'll see what comes of this one. It uh, look yeah. it could be nothing. It could be bigger than Ben Hur again. Yep. Yeah. Uh, interesting that this article does say they were criticized by the time it took Super SA to publicly disclose the incident almost 2 months after first learning of it. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. Uh, that's a bit slack, and we're going to see what the solution to this might be in a minute. But uh, you can't do that, guys. You've got to you've got to be on the front foot with these things. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you really have to be. I mean, if if it's if it's people's personal data that's affected, then you have to be all over it. Yeah, I'm going to say it again. Let's let's just say once you give someone like this your data, just treat it as gone. Yeah, right. It's already out there. Um, it, it, I think I think the, the the table's almost turned now. I think it'd be difficult to find someone who doesn't have their PII on the internet. Yeah, well, that's very true. <laughs> you, There is a small portion of the country that are super security conscious that probably don't have their information on the internet, but with the amount of data that that companies hold on you and all the rest of it, and and it's all digital these days because you got to think all the HR systems are digital, um, all of that data is in a computer somewhere. Yeah, it's. I mean, leaked. Like, just you know, it's just assume once you give you your information over to some digital database it is going to be leaked at some point yep it's a safer way to think about it yeah um, i mean I, I treat my passwords like that now right it's different passwords on every site because that site is going to be breached and once that password's out in the open that's it that's it's over for that password so just have a different one on every site it's easier use a password manager and that's and that's good because you've got a there's password managers out there like i use bitwarden for my own stuff mm-hmm. and uh and there's there's like a security checkup in there and it'll go through every password that you've got in your in your database, and it will check if any two of them are are the same, and it'll check if any of them have been uh, re- released to the internet so that you can change them. Um, and I've got more than four hundred passwords in Bitwarden currently. Uh, and You're not doing that manually. No, I'm not doing no, that manually. No. I do not have the same password for anything. No, that's the way to go. Mm. Absolutely. Um. Well, all right. What are we? What are they going to do about this? Uh, Queensland government introduces uh, data breach notification legislation, similar to what we have in New South Wales. Yeah, that's right. So uh, this this is specific to Queensland government entities at this point, but I can see a point where the Queensland government will expand this to private enterprise as well, where you must mm-hmm. uh, abide by this law. Uh, however, they've introduced a bill. Uh, it says recent hope. High-profile data breaches demonstrate that loss or unauthorized access or disclosure of personal information has potential to result in serious harm to individuals. That's mm. the uh, Attorney General of it, Dath. And uh, she goes on to say, that's why we're establishing this, se- this scheme. So there are clear, consistent requirements to notify individuals of data breaches of Queensland government agencies so that individuals are empowered to take steps to reduce the risk of harm. Mm. So the the actual the actual ruling that they're putting forward is that uh, government agency suspects it it is breached. It must take all reasonable steps, containment steps, sorry, and will generally have up to thirty days to assess the incident. Uh, right. So they got they got thirty days to report on it. They can't just keep hiding behind the oh we're investigating, we're investigating, and just hanging on to it the whole time. They got thirty days. That's right. Um, yeah. It does go on to say. This can be extended. Um, it can extend the written, uh, sorry, the assessment period via a written notice. Yeah, I guess they would have to show evidence of their investigation and show, you know, the complexity of the investigation and reasons why they need more days to investigate it. Um, yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. You know, they've got a big network and it's complex and, you know, these threat actors are, are trying to hide themselves. Yeah. So it... it, it you know, it could potentially take more than 30 days, but they've got to have a reasonable excuse for that. 
and I could see I could see reasons there for uh, so reasons of national security, for instance, where you don't want to be acknowledging that breach just yet. Um, you want to see if you can flush out that actor first and um, before you actually publicly acknowledge the the risk. So yeah, I I think this is a good first move. Uh, I think it needs to be expanded out to private enterprise as well, and I yep. think that uh, that certainly uh, both government and enterprise should be required to report within a set period of time, and I don't think that period of time should be anything more than seven days. Yeah. Um, the idea of a, of a published data breach policy is, is an interesting one as well. Like, what are you going to do yeah. when you have when you identify a data breach? What are your plans? Mm. And, um, and the, the agencies will need to keep a register of data breaches. So how many times has, reg, has Agency X been breached in the last five years? And and should we perhaps give them some more money for security or should we sack some people that aren't doing their job? Well, it's kind of like a wall of shame, right? Yeah. Oh, it is, 100%. <laughs> and, and you can make a decision. It's like, am I going to go with this mob A or mob B? Let's look at their track record of uh, security incidents and that might help you make a decision, right? Yeah, oh, 100%. Uh, all right, on the security uh, tip still, uh, malware, once again a headache for NPM. Will this ever go away? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I think this is, this is similar to the, the issue that the um, Arch user repository has and a whole heap of other public software registries yeah. have in that anybody's allowed to put packages in there. Yeah, push packages um, up to it. Yep. And so FortiGuard... Uh, labs in an October 2 blog post said that uh, they've found malicious packages in the NPM registry and the packages aim to steal sensitive data such as user information via a webhook or file sharing link. Yep. Kubernetes configurations, SSH keys and other critical information. Yep. Usernames, IP addresses, host names, et cetera, et cetera. And they've got fairly benign-looking package names um, as well. So, look, it comes down to don't use a package that you don't know and trust. Uh, NPM has been struck by this so many times, it's not funny. Mm. Um, mm. I remember a few years ago the, the package where, uh, where Russia first invaded Ukraine and uh, one of the developers of a very well-known package that I shall leave nameless uh, put a bit of code in there that if they detected that you came from Russia or from a Russian IP address, uh, it deleted your disk. Yeah, right. Mm. And you heard about the recent one on Ubuntu twenty three ten. Oh no, I haven't. Uh, well, it was it was it was kind of flew under the radar a little bit. It uh, it was in the inst- installer for twenty three ten. There was some. Uh, if you chose the Ukrainian language to do the install, the text was, there was malicious text in there or like text that was not nice. Right. Okay. Uh, in the, in the installer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit rude. And it was quick, quick, quickly found and then removed. Uh, Cause obviously that, that was put in there by, you know, the English speaking world didn't know what was put there and it was put in there by one of the translators Yeah, and uh, sent, they sent a message. Yeah. So. I mean, NPMs had this problem like last last year, I think it was. They had a crypto miner package 
Uh, so some package tried to drop a crypto miner onto your machine uh, when you installed it, um, and that uh, there was there's been a heap of them. So I, mm. I suppose the key call out here is be careful what you're using when it comes to npm and only use trusted packages. Yeah, or like if half the internet is using it, then you're probably okay. But the most part. <laughs> But for the most part. Except for if uh old mate that develops a package is um very anti Russia. Oh because that was a very popular package. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh all right, enough of the security articles then. Should we get on with the AI wars? AI wars. one article for the AI Wars. I think today's show is going to be a little bit bit of a short one because I'm, I'm still buzzing from last week. I've just, just got the energy levels, you know, they're slowly creeping back in. So only only the one article for the AI Wars this week. And uh, we've got this one article, Google Assistant to integrate Bard Chatbot and all other AI features coming to the Pixel 8. Yeah, this is cool. And yeah, I agree. Now, I'm still... I just bought a Pixel 7. Maybe I need a Pixel 8. <laughs> yeah, I would love a Pixel 8. They're so yeah, expensive, though. Oh, aren't they? They've, yeah. they've sort of taken a book out, a uh, leaf out of Apple's book, and sort of jacked the price right up. Probably because they can, right? Well, this is true. What What are people going to pay? I think that's what Apple are saying. They just pushed the price up over years and years and years. Got to a point, you know. Oh, what are they going to pay? Oh, they're not paying it now. Are they you know, yeah. just adjust the price? You know, eventually they get to a, a sweet spot. Yeah. And and you're uh, right. I am. I'm still buzzy. I think I feel like we've been speaking very quick because we're still sort of buzzing from from episode fifty. <laughs> but that's all right. In, in post, I'll slow it down to to point five. And we'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> Google is touting its new Pixel Eight Pro phone as the first phone built for generative AI. AI, 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 generative AI, generative AI, generative AI, 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 As expected, Google's premium smartphone is getting a whole smattering of AI features running on device. Now, we 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 hinted at this at at episode 50, that this could be the way they're going to go because they've got this Tensor G3 chip and they can just run it all on device now. They'll have a language model on there. They'll have all your Gen AI running on there. Um, and it'll chew up battery like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more sure. than likely. But I, yeah. I like some of the features that they've got here. So uh, one of them here is that um, we've all seen the cop shows from for, from mm. lately, like mm. a, a, my wife and I are- Zoom 22.56. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where my, my wife and I are, are currently watching Castle the series again. And yeah. uh, and where they zoom into a number plate that's sort of sitting in the distance on a camera, and then all of a sudden it's all cleared up and magic. That's um, <laughs> that's one of the things that that is going to be able to to happen, and you'll be able to say enhance a bit yeah. like uh, Eric O does on South Main Auto. If you, if anybody watches that channel on YouTube, every yeah. time he zooms yeah. in, he's enhance enhance. Well, the, the the big famous one is Blade Runner. Enhance two twenty four to one seventy six. Right. Oh, okay. I mean, it's the scene where he's zooming in on the, you know, the scene. No. He's got the photo there. Oh, got to watch it. He, he zooms in on this photo and he zooms in and zooms in and zooms in. And what he actually sees is a reflection in a mirror of someone in the other room. And he enhances it so much that he can 
he can figure it out that, that there's like I, that's something to do with the, the snake skin or something oh, like yeah. that, artificial snake skin there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, no, that's what he finds in the bath. But anyway, right, right, right. you can figure this information right. out from this zoomed in enhanced like 20 yeah, million cool, times. Yeah. That's what we're yeah, going to yeah, be able to do. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. Track 45 right. Center and stop. Enhance 34 to 36. <laughs> so no longer are you going to be zooming in and have pixels so big you can smell them. <laughs> mm, mm. But yeah, so uh, that's one of the one of the things that they're looking at. Um, another one which is which is really cool is Magic Eraser, like uh, sorry, a Magic Eraser like. Uh, best take feature where you can take mm. multiple photos of, say, a group of friends. You you take multiple selfies, and you can actually swap people's facial expressions out um, based on what you've taken. Right to get the best one. Yeah, to get the best, best one, take, so you yeah, can compose. Yeah. Which I sort of find a little bit, you know, that's not really a photo. It's not a like I remember photos where you took a photo on a bit of film and you didn't take sixty two photos because you only had. <laughs> Thirty-two shots on the on the roll. That's it. You took one. Oh, you might have taken two yeah. in case the first one didn't come yeah, out. Yeah, that's right. And if someone's eyes were closed because of the flash, well, that's yeah. that's what you did. <laughs> <Tough one. laughs> and everyone else had red eyes. Yeah, everybody, <laughs> everybody, yeah, had demon eyes. Yeah. Uh, one of the other ones too is the audio magic eraser. So you can do you can uh, erase like dogs barking in the background or wind or. Um, yeah, the wind is a big one. Yeah. I mean, that little clip we took when oh. we were up on. Um, uh, up, up at the Cape. Now, I mean, it's great to have a little clip there of us up on the Cape, but it was a little bit windy, right? Now, the, the, the solution up to that to now is to put one of these popper stoppers over it, right? Mm. And that stops the wind getting in. But there are downsides to putting that over. It muffles the sound a little bit. And it's not a little bit of hardware you've got to carry around. Wouldn't it be great if you could just eliminate that noise straight away? You might not have it because if you want to do just a little vox pop just quickly, mm. just go bang, 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 record, um, and you've got some noise there, well, great. AI can eliminate that. Yeah, thing. that's right. And then the last one that I, I think is really cool is the video boost feature, which allows you to um, increase and decrease the level of saturation present in a clip. So instead of just doing it on a photo now, you can do it in an entire video, which is mm. uh, which is really cool. And it's and it's all it's already a high ISO camera as well. Yeah, uh, which we talked about last week. So you you can film in 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 low light anyway, but then you can boost it um, even further with with AI saturated before with AI. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so really, really cool features coming to the Pixel 8. I really wish I had one, uh, but I don't know that I want to fork out the 1600 bucks for one. Yeah, well, there is that. I mean, to be honest with you, I don't even use all the features of the camera in my Pixel 7. I just no. whip it out and take a photo yeah. and don't even think about it. <laughs> and incidentally, so. my photos are a lot better than my wife's uh, iPhone's uh, uh, 12 Pro. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, you know, if I can come up with an excuse, I'll, I'll be getting myself one, I reckon, uh, and do the old cycle of the phones down. If one of the kids drops one of their phones, well, you can have my phone, yep. I'm getting a new one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, that's, it's cool. I, I'm looking forward to it. I really want one. Um, my, my son would love to have my, my Pixel 7. Yep. Uh, but the thing is, not everyone's getting this at the moment. This is being rolled out uh, to a select few early testers for feedback. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I might see how that pans out. Maybe in six months when, when everyone's sort of got access to it, then I might consider it then. Yeah, that's it. 
That's it. Well, I think that's about it for now. Um, yeah, like I said, short and sweet this week. Uh, that's good. We'll, have more, we'll always have more content and a bit more ne- next week. And uh, we might uh, we'll see how we go. We might we might get some others on. We, we're, we're certainly going to have a, a Christmas special at the end of this year, so we've got to start thinking about that. Anyway. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> Look, guys, go to iTunes, write a review. That'll really help the show out. Uh, you can contact us at gcplife at caslin.com.au. We've got the website. Just Google that. How are we going with the Mastodon server? Oh, I haven't built got the post thing yet. Out. I've been so inundated with uh, customer project. Yeah, well, we're on the same project. We are. Now. That's exciting. <laughs> we are. Uh, yeah, so that's soon just to come around the corner. Of course, don't forget to give some feedback on the socials. Um, and uh, if you went to GCP Life Live, just jump on that post there that I put out last week and just uh, put your thoughts and comments in there. It would be great to hear from some, some real life listeners of the show. Uh, and uh, don't forget, today's show was sponsored by Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. That's about it from me. Anything else from you, Ian? No, mate. I, I'm I'm good. It's been a cracker. It's been a cracker. Thankfully, they stopped cutting down that tree next door, so uh, hopefully we won't hear any of that noise <laughs> in the show. <laughs> but that's it. We're out. See you. Bye. Bye. But look, it, so SuperSA is saying that it's unknown at this stage if any of SuperSA's data has been accessed. Uh, and um, let's say there, I've lost it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm reading it too, and I can't keep up with my own eyes. <laughs>